right now but we're having a praise party in the sanctuary yeah we're having a good time we might not we might be few but we sound like many up in here the devil can't stop yeah. praying can't no. stop it no no can't stop you want to make him bad praise the lord come on yes sir yeah yeah praise will confuse and the enemy if the church is praising more folk don't even know we got problems Come on now. All right. Bless you this morning. Bless you this morning. Bless you. So good, so good, so good to be with you. Reggie and T came with their fingers on fire this morning. Yeah, smoking over here. All right. Stay like this. Fit the one more like this, right? <laughs> Fit the one more like this. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, well, we thank God for you being with us today and thank God for your presence, whether it's physical or virtually. We've come to praise the Lord this morning, and I don't know where you I want to thank those whose names don't appear on our church roll who always support us, whether you're near us here in Birmingham or whether you're distant, distant Florida, uh, Michigan, all the places that have been tuning in. We thank God for you being with us and we don't get a chance often to reach out and say thank you for being friends and supporters but we certainly do appreciate it you've been a blessing to us joining into our fellowship has been great it's one of the offshoots one of the offshots of the pandemic is that we can draw our family closer because of the technology we've had to employ to deliver the message so we're thankful that those who haven't been able to join in in the service for a long time can now do it on a regular basis, if they choose to, if they choose to. And I'm thankful to the Lord for those who choose to do it because you, you tell me you do it. When you call me on Wednesday and tell me what I preached on Sunday, then I know you've been listening and you don't live in Birmingham, and that's a blessing. And so I appreciate you being a part of it. Let's move into our sermon this morning i know sometimes it takes a little longer for us to get into the message because we also have things we have to take care of administratively we got to be thankful to folks we say all the time oh sparks children that our mama taught us to tell folks thank you she did and when people have been good to you you ought to say thank you so i want to say thank you to all the congregants all the members all the friends who were so kind to me and my family over the holiday season Thank you for your kindness as, as exhibited in letters and in cards and in gifts, uh, sweets, and other treats. <laughs> Thank you for all those things that, e that made their way to our house and to our hands despite the problem. We didn't have any issue with the postal service getting it there. I also want to tell you how wonderfully blessed I was for the Zoom sessions we had with various, with various family members. I'm so thankful that that happened. It was so such a blessing that we were able to do that. Uh, and looks like something we'll do going forward too because I think it was such a, such a blessing. We didn't do it for the folk we do. We see it all the time, uh, regularly. We did it for some folk who we don't ever get a chance to see because they seem to be in the house or 
can't get out in. And I'm glad of it because we had generational blessings behind it. We had young folk having to go over and help their grandparents, you know, to tune in. And so it's been, it's been, it's been great. That was, that was a good thing. And, and we had family units within a family name getting together all at one time. And so we ended up getting to about 20-something families, I think. Um, it was really, really good. But uh, so don't, don't feel put upon. If I see you all the time, there wasn't no need for me to do that. All right, I'm trying to talk to some folk I haven't seen almost in a year. Some of them I haven't laid eyes on almost in a year. And doesn't look like I'm going to be able to do it for at least another half a year. And so we'll make sure we can do that again soon. Amen? Amen. Let's talk about 2020 and what the Lord wants from us this year. Let's talk about what it is we can do. I wouldn't be able to raise my hand if I said I did everything right last year. If I did everything I had the opportunity to do. I wouldn't be able to raise my hand on that. The question is, can you? Were you at your best in 2020? And do you anticipate being better in 2021? I'm not asking anybody to make any resolutions, except that I want you to resolve every day to be the best you can be. Not just because it came from December to January do I want you to make a list of things that you can do better. And I don't ever want you to get in the habit of doing things like that. But I, what I do want you to do is to say, I want to be the best version of me I can be every day. And whether that change comes in January, June, or July, I want you to make that a pledge, a solemn pledge to yourself. And then know within yourself that you can't do it on your own, that you need guidance from the Lord, and that through his Holy Spirit. And so ask him to give you the guidance you need to be the very best version of yourself that you can be. And so that brings us to our message this morning. I think it's one that will resonate with all who are listening. Sometimes we can't be our best because we got too much stuff holding us back. Yeah, too much stuff. It's not anybody. It's just the stuff in our lives. And so there are two scriptures that I want to read to you today that I believe will guide us in in this discourse because I believe you're going to be talking back to me wherever you are, all right? The first comes from Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 31 through 32. Ephesians 4, 31 through 32 reads, Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. That's the first one. The second one comes from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, watch this now, underline this, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And then let us run with perseverance, King James says, with patience, the race that's marked out for us, the race that's marked out for us. Today I want to use a simple word to talk about a complex topic. 
I want to talk about baggage. 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 I've noticed a phenomenon, particularly around, around schools. I haven't seen it lately, but it was not unusual for us to come to the church or out in the community and see young folks with backpacks. And those backpacks would be full of stuff, books and other stuff. I'm not foolish enough to believe that everything in your backpack was for learning. Yeah, I, I believe these teachers over here tell me that the backpack is full of stuff that ain't got nothing to do with learning. And yet, it was still something you had to carry. And I've noticed some of the times that the uh, some of the times that the backpacks would be almost bigger than the children. It seemed I feel sorry for them lugging them around. But it's one thing to see a backpack in that context. It's completely different to see grown folk carrying baggage around like that. Sometimes the baggage that they carry doesn't even appear. No, it's emotional baggage. Yeah, it's, it's even spiritual baggage that's weighing them down that they've been carrying around for years, sometimes all of their lives. Now, some of this baggage you put together yourself. You put it in your own emotional backpack yourself. Yeah, you deposited it. Some of it came from experiences you had with other people. And some folk had bad experiences when they were in the children's choir. And that carried over all their lives, which is why they say, I don't sing in the choir now because of the baggage I got when I was 12. Some folk got the baggage because of their own actions. But then, in truth, I don't want to deny the victimization of anyone. Some folk were mistreated. And that, that, that baggage was put on you. The question becomes, how long are you willing to carry that baggage around? How long are you going to let this baggage hinder you and stop you from being the best version of you you can be? How do you get rid of this kind of baggage? I bought this backpack because it's rather, it's a nice backpack, but... It doesn't matter how nice your backpack is. As if it's a burden, it's still stopping you. If I have to carry this everywhere I go, I'm not going to be the most effective person I can be. The sad thing about it is some folk know they have the burden, know they have the baggage, and they nurse it. They keep adding stuff to their backpack. They keep adding reasons why it's necessary for them to act that way. Can I tell you? Anything that's hindering you from being your best version of you, that's keeping you from realizing the benefit of your relationship with the Lord, is something you need to get rid of. Anything that's standing between you and the Lord is a problem. And when you have ill will with another believer or another person, then that's a problem in your spiritual walk. Don't keep walking spiritually thinking it's okay to be upset and mad at folk. It's not okay to be upset and mad at folk. It's not okay to have you a I don't like them list. 
That's not okay. That is not being the best version of yourself. And so let's walk through this and see how we can do better. Some of us have wasted too much time being in this position. And so how do we learn to travel lighter? How do we learn to offload or unload this baggage? Well, first we need to understand the concept, I think, of time. See, we always believe that I'll get it together down the road. We always think I'll have the opportunity to get things straight. Can I tell you right now, you, sometimes you don't get that straight. Sometimes you don't have it, and it's because you don't value, you don't value time. What is this baggage? Some of it's bitterness, some of it's anger, some of it's pain and frustration, and that can spill over into your other relationships. In fact, I think sometimes you don't understand the connection between the baggage you carry and the lack of progress you make in other areas. You carry so much baggage, and then it spills over into your persona, and you think people are simply mistreating you. What you don't understand is you're, frust you're forecasting your frustrations. You're forecasting your bitterness. You're forecasting your anger because you're so full of it. And you need to get that baggage out of your life so that you can, you can do better. You got to learn how to, how to let it go. We got to learn how to choose forgiveness. You got to learn how to first choose repentance. But first you got to learn that time is important in getting this done. Watch this. How much, how valuable is one hour of life? One hour. I tell you this. One hour of life is different in value to a person who's terminally ill and who's waiting for somebody they love to show up and see them. That hour has a different value than you who jump up every morning, okay. How valuable is a minute? Ask anybody who's been in the situation where they've shown up at the airport one minute after they closed the boarding gate. One minute after they said, I'm sorry, <laughs> their plane just departed. Ask somebody how important that, min that minute is. I've been in that situation. Ask somebody how important one second is. One second might not seem like anything to you, but ask an Olympic athlete who's been training for the last 15 years for that one moment, and they come one second behind the person who ultimately won. Or ask someone who's trying to say goodbye that they'll never see again. If you tell them you missed them by a second, that's still forever to them. We, we know we know that time is really a human invention. God doesn't have to deal in time. God deals in forever. God controls time. God can make tomorrow yesterday if he wanted to. He has that ability to do it. And so time is not important to him. But it's crucial to us. The Bible tells us that with the Lord, uh, uh, Richard, that a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years is like a day. Time doesn't mean anything to the Lord. But time is crucial to us because we live in a limited time frame. We go through periods, blocks of life, infancy, adolescence, adulthood, middle age, old age. Um, and if we're fortunate, the Lord will allow us to live a standard life. But everyone is not blessed to see that. 
We measure our lives in segments of time. So what makes something valuable? What makes it valuable is the scarcity of it. If you only have a little bit of something, that makes it more valuable. Uh, for example, if gold was lying around on the ground like grass, it wouldn't be worth anything. But the truth of the matter is gold is scarce. You have to do something hard in order to even find gold. And because it's so scarce, that increases the value of it. Yeah, not only that, diamonds. If they were laying around like gravel, no one would care about them, but you have to risk blood, sweat, and tears in order to find diamonds. And so because of that, the value of them increases. The Bible lets us know that even when it was written, that there's a generation gap. Young folk and older folk see value in different ways. Young people always feel like they got plenty of time. Oh yeah. And because of their notion that they have plenty of time, time loses its value. In fact, we often talk about how young folk waste time. We tell them, don't waste all your time sleeping. We tell them that. And older folk who have been in that position now have a different appreciation for time. And because of that, they try to fulfill it by not wasting the time that they have or squandering it. I know I got some witnesses out there. Yeah, I know, I know you wonder why your grandmom get up at four o'clock in the morning. Well, some of it because she can't sleep. Yeah, some of it because it's that time when she can spend some time by herself and get her head together. Nobody else is running around in her space. That time is valuable to her or to your granddaddy. The Bible often talks about the brevity of life. Yeah, the average, watch this, Reg, the average lifespan for a man or woman is about 76 years. Of course, it's different for women. Women tend to live longer than men in our society. And then, of course, we have to break that down even further by socioeconomic factors and by racial factors. But in general, if you find those centenarians, those people over 100, you typically gonna find women who've reached that age. That's simply how it is. But the average lifespan is about seven to six years old, and we know that to be the case because we had three centenarians here in this church at one time, and all women. Not one man has reached 100, as I recall. Not in the 16 years that I've been here. But we've had at least four or five women who were centenarian here at one time, and it's an interesting concept. But statisticians tell us 76 years is about the average. So if you're under 30 and the, and, and the average lifespan is 76, you think you got a lot of time. But if you're in your 50s and 76, like I am, and 76 is your average lifespan, then you, you value that time a little bit differently. And Lord, if you're 70, yeah, you clock watching right now. I'm just trying to see how healthy you are. You wake up in the morning looking at the clock. Amen, amen, I hear you. 
So I ran across some stats that I think helps us out a little bit in understanding this concept because all of this has to do with why we carry baggage. Because we always think we can get rid of it. We always think we can change some things. And what I came to tell you is time doesn't always permit you to do it. So you need to take advantage of it right now. See, uh, these stats, if you live to be 75 years old, most of us will have taken in that 75 years, we will have spent three years, three solid years, that's 24 hours in a day, getting educated to some degree. Three of those 75 years will have been getting educated. Some people more, some people less, obviously, but about three solid years. That's grade school, high school, and some degree of college or other education you require. You will have spent seven years, uh, seven years eating. Seven years <laughs> out of that 75 years, you would have spent eating. If you add it all together, the 24 hours a day, some less, some more. Obviously, you can look at some folk and realize that they spend a little bit more time <laughs> like me. I probably, you know, at the table a little bit longer than other folk, but that's how it is. Seven years. You've also spent 14 years working. 14 of your 75 years you spent working. Yeah, five years. This is a late construct here, Red. Riding in cars or, or, or on a plane or some mode of transportation. Five years, if you add all of it up, over 75 years, that's how long. Five years talking to folk. Yeah, five years talking to people. One year, shit. Some people clearly, clearly do more, some less in that respect. Yeah. You spent, watch this, you will have spent 24 years sleep, uh, sleeping. 24 years out of the seven, a third of your life, you will have spent sleeping if you live an average life. This is what the statisticians tell us. Three years reading, 12 years, I think that's changed. 12 years amusing ourselves, watching TV, movie, fishing, some kind of hobby. Hobby. I think that's changed, clearly last year changed. We're spending about, I think you can up that 12 years to about 15 years when it comes to binge watching TV. Because some of y'all have lost six months watching stuff on Netflix. Yeah, some about time that just gets jacked up when you start doing that. But 12, in parentheses, 15 years doing that. So that all equals, when you put all that together, that's 74 years. Now watch this now for all of you who've been in church your whole life. Those of you who've been diehard members of a church congregation. Let's suppose you spend every Sunday of your life for 75 years from infancy through adulthood through old age in the house of worship, in a worship service. Let's suppose you do that. When you add up the time that you will have spent in 75 years in the house of worship, it amounts to less than six months. Six months. As for those of you diehard members of the church congregation, let's go ahead and add that you come to Bible study every week, that you've never missed Bible study since you were an infant, then you can double that to 11 months. The bottom line is, out of all this time, no matter how much you felt you were dragged to church, how much you felt like you were always in BTU and all this, 
about the most you're going to get out of that time in 75 years is a year. I'll even be gracious enough and give you a year and a half. You spend more time sleeping, clearly. You spend more time eating and riding cars than you did in the house of the Lord. No matter how aggressive you were in your membership, you spent that amount of time a year. Being educated on the tenets of the Lord, being in fellowship and worship with other believers, no matter how the preacher dragged on and on and on, at the end of 75 years, it might have been a year. The truth of the matter is, if I'm going to be just frank, you probably spent more time in the bathroom over 75 years grooming yourself than you did in a worship service. And yet, we complain about time. Time is relative. It depends on what you're spending it on. Depends on what you're doing with it and what you expect from it. The Bible tells us that life is uncertain. You always think you got another opportunity to do something, but life itself is valuable just as time is a valuable commodity. Precious, delicate. If you don't think so, there are 350,000 people who were alive last year who are not this year who would say different simply because of a novel coronavirus. Time was taken from them. Could change for you or me at any moment. We don't know about the future. But the question is, what are we going to do? So with that being said about time, why are you wasting time by dwelling on yesterday? Why are you wasting tomorrow by allowing your yesterday's mess to keep dragging you down? Why have you allowed your high school foolishness to keep you from being your adult best? Why is, is that so important to you? You need to unpack this baggage and leave it alone. Watch this now. When you are living under the pressure of baggage, you can't see your, your way straight to keep moving. You can't grow. You can't lift up high enough because you're still under the burden of that weight. So because of the uncertainty of life, the Bible says now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Now, not yesterday, not hanging his hat on what you did yesterday, but your today, your tomorrows are essential because you realize how valuable they are and what a gift from God they are and why are you wasting God's gift of time on yesterday. There's nothing you can do to change what happened yesterday. Even if it, you thought it was the best time of your life, you can't make it better by dwelling on it. No, no, you can't. So watch this. Walk with me on this. First thing, don't let your past enslave you. Don't let it enslave you. Don't let it stop you from being who you are. <clears throat> I remember talking to one of my relatives one time about this, this, this other relative who always showed up, and he always seemed to be dressed in his 70s best. Of course, this was the 80s and the 90s. And I'm like, why he always, you know, he, you know, he had the, 
the, the apple hat on and still wore the wide leg pants and, the, and still, you know, the shirt open with his hair and his chest out. He still dressed like that. And I used to say, I said, man, well, why, why does he dress like that? And he gave me a simple answer. He said, because that's when he felt like he was at his best. And so he wakes up every day trying to relive his best at that time. And because he's still wasting his time on his yesterday best, he can't be his today best. Because he won't move forward. He's still carrying the baggage of yesterday. He's still carrying the baggage of you cute vanity from yesterday. He's still wearing the best of you smell good. That's why he's still wearing brute from yesterday. He, he's still trying to be the best 1970s version of himself in 2020. Is that you? Are you still foolish enough to think that the best that God had for you was yesterday? And if that's the case, why are you still here today? Why has he not gifted you enough today to be a better version of yourself? And the, and the point is, he has. But you're stuck on the baggage, whether it's self-esteem, whether it's issues of relationships, you think you can't do better today or tomorrow than you did yesterday, and that's why you won't embrace the gift that God has given you. But you can't let the past enslave you. In your memory, in your, in your memory, maybe this person was your enemy, but you've changed maybe, or have you? Have they changed? Are they even the same person that you knew when you had your dust up or whatever it was? Y'all still feuding over a boy that married a third person. He ain't thinking about either one of y'all. And the truth of the matter is he never was. And you've let yourself still be upset because of that but you have an opportunity to not be enslaved by your past. In fact, some people, some people dwell on negative and they make a habit, they make a life out of feeling sorry for themselves. Oh yeah, that doesn't have anything to do with actual issues of depression. I'm not talking about that. Those are bona fide mental health issues that need to be treated appropriately but some people have a reputation for never being the winner. And that becomes what they succeed at, you know, always the number two. And because of that, they stop trying to be number one because they got the reputation of never making it over the hump. You can't ever get to a place where you stop trying. Maybe your job came to an end and everybody felt bad for you because you lost your job. All right, maybe you're having a tough time making ends meet. You're not the first person. You're certainly not gonna be the last person that that's going to happen to. Maybe somebody died and because of that, your life changed because you were so close to them or dependent on them. Yeah, maybe you're lonely, legitimately. But the question is, will you remain that? Is that the best you wanna be known, at, known as? Or will you have a, this happened, but I got better? Because that opportunity is there for you. Maybe there was a time when sin got a hold of your life and, and, and now, you feel the burden and the guilt of that sin and you haven't figured out how to shake all that off. The past can absolutely cripple you, but there's freedom in a relationship with the Lord. 
Because the Bible says that anyone who is in Christ is a new creature. That means I don't have to be what I used to be. And I'm taking this to mean this, uh, uh, Alvin, that if I don't have to be what I used to be, that means my old experiences are gone. That means I was a victim in my last life, but in Christ, I'm a victim. That means that somebody could take advantage of me in my last life, but in Christ, I got a new warrior with me. And I don't have to be taken advantage of like that. If I'm in Christ, he can empower me to be the best that I can be. Because I'm new in him. Now, does that mean he's like Superman? No, that means he is my God. He's my, he's my rock. Paul said this, forgetting what is behind. In other words, God, I commit myself to you today. I'm seeking your forgiveness today for all my sins of the past. I'm also looking forward to what's lying ahead. Why? Because I'm forgetting Forgetting what is behind me. I'm going to live the best I can today. So I'm not going to be enslaved by my past. Not only that, I've got to establish a priority in my life. This is important. I need to have a priority in my life. It needs to be established. Paul said, watch this now. This is important. Paul said, this one thing I do. This one thing I do. Now, obviously, Paul did more than preach. He also planted churches. He also healed folk. He also was a tent maker. He also wrote books. But his singular focus in everything he did was lifting the name of the Lord, telling everybody about Jesus. It infused everything he did. So he had a singular focus, many activities, but a singular focus. What do you do? Do you have a singular focus? Does Christ and his love and life infuse everything you do? Is the perfume of salvation over all your activity? Can people smell the aroma of righteousness in your efforts? Or do you sometimes willingly step outside of that? You know we'll say, we'll say uh, we, don't want, we don't want Jesus to go with me everywhere we go. We say that because, you know, uh, and today what we say is sometimes I have to keep it real. Yeah, they say, uh, yeah, yeah, I've heard some folks say I'm saved, but I'm ratchet sometimes. What does that mean? What does that mean? I don't understand the notion that I have a cloak of righteousness I can take on and take off. That's not how I understand scripture to work. The truth of the matter is we all fall short every day. But we fall short while we're running. Yeah, we might trip sometimes, but we get up. It's not like I'm playing for Alabama today and I play for Auburn tomorrow. It's not like that. I can't change uniforms like that. Who am I for? We need to establish a priority in our lives. And then I like this. I had to put in some some newness on it. I need to identify my issue. Hashtag identify my issue. You can make an, a t-shirt out of that, all right? Hashtag identify my issue. What is it that's got you all jacked up? What is it that's holding you back? What happened that got you off track and that's stopping you from being the best version of yourself? Paul goes through in that scripture that I read you and he, he, he lists seven, seven Specific things that believers need to get rid of. He said bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, every form of malice. 
unforgiveness, he lists them. You know that that's not a complete list of all the emotional stuff that folk deal with, all the feelings that people have to deal with. These are some things, some of these things come with living. The question is, what's your issue? What is it that you have in your backpack that you need to unpack? What's in your baggage that you need to be working towards getting rid of? And we're honest with ourselves. We don't talk to nobody about these issues. No, 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 no. We, we silently are bitter at somebody else. We put on a facade of righteousness. Hello. We put on a facade of righteousness while there's a deep well of bitterness in us. We struggle with it. We struggle with envy in our hearts, even though we're smiling on our face. Songwriters have been talking about it for a long time. Smile in your face. All the while trying to take your place. Why? Because they're envious. They call them backstabbers. So the first step in letting it go, hashtag identify my issue. What are you carrying around? How do you do that? Well, first you go to the Lord in prayer and you ask the Lord to help you have strength enough to reveal any areas that are holding you back. Help me, Lord. And then you bring the process to some, you got to have these folks. You got to have some trusted friends. You got to have some folk around you who you can talk to, it's important, who you can say, can you please help me? I need you to help me. When you see me going down this road, I need you to bring me back. Uh, if nothing else, I need you to call me out. You need folks to tell you that, and you need to have some folk in your life who are willing to do that without judgment. Without judgment, that's important, Richard. I think you are, they gotta be able to say, come on now, you're doing that thing again. You're in that space again. You, I know you said this happened, but it, it's not like that. It can be seen this way. They need to give you some objectivity. And if you got friends who are not willing to do that for you, get some more friends. You don't need a whole circle of friends. You don't need the TV show friends. You need one. Just somebody you can talk to. Yeah, they don't have to have all them different personalities in my whole circle. If I can't get them, I can't get... No, you need a trusted somebody. We devalue friend, too, and what that means. Friend is the one who will sit in your face and love you while they're telling you you're wrong. That's a friend. And you know they're a friend to you because you take it. And you try to make the adjustments. Friend is not the one who sit there to see you doing wrong and let you keep falling in that hole. That, that's not a friend. And so that brings me to my second, to, to my next point, and that is after I've hashtag identified my issue, I need to bring it to the light. I need to stop hiding all this. We spend a whole lot of time trying to hide being cruel, being envious, being bitter. That's a whole lot of energy that I'm carrying around. Can't straighten up. Can't work on this, because somebody else working on it. Can't be in this group. Because such and such in there. And, and, and we're cool with it because we're cool with it because we won't straight up say it's because that person's in there. We're just unavailable. We're just unavailable. Even though what you have, what you bring to the table is a necessary component to it being the overall objective being successful, you will deny your best ability over this mess. And it may not be mess now. It may be a legitimate grievance, but the point is why you keep hiding it. 
Why you keep letting yourself be held back? And why you keep holding back the greater benefit of the Lord when you simply need to bring it to the light? Now, that don't mean come up in church and testify to everybody. That means bring it, bring it to the light in your life. Stop letting it grow down there in the dungeon of your life. Pull it out of the backpack. Get that baggage off your back. Watch this. It's hard. It's hard. It's not something that's done overnight. You got to get rid of it. You got to let it go. But it's a process. Hear me now. I know a man who stopped drinking after years of alcoholism. Years of alcoholism. And it's interesting because people didn't even think he was an alcoholic. He was a silent alcoholic. Most alcoholics might get belligerent when they start drinking. He didn't. He got quiet and introspective. And because he was quiet and introspective, people didn't think he had a drinking problem. Oh, but he did. He stopped drinking. Glory to God, he stopped drinking. But watch this, this is the process that it takes. Even though it takes, and even though he stopped drinking, a month after he stopped drinking, he confessed that he could still taste alcohol. It's a month after he had had a drop to drink, he said, but I still taste alcohol. My body is still yearning for alcohol. I'm still struggling with the problem that I have. Come on now. I, I, I let her go. I know she wasn't good for me, but every now and then I smell her perfume. Yeah, 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 yeah. I stopped smoking weed, but I still get nervous when I see folks smoking cigarettes. Yeah, I'm struggling. It's a process, and I need the Lord to help me grow through this. It's not something you can just lay down and walk away from. Folk always tell you to just stop, but stopping is a process. It's not an event. No, it's an eventuality if you got the right help that you will have stopped. God's plan is bigger, bigger than just letting it go. He wants to heal you. There's a difference. God don't just want you to stop. He wants you to stop doing it, stop thinking about it, stop being it. He wants to heal you from whatever it is you got in your baggage that's holding you back. Watch this now, First John, if we claim to have fellowship with him, and yet we walk in the darkness, then we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son. And he purifies us from all sin. If we confess our sins, guess, guess what? He's faithful and he's just to forgive us from all of the sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. He'll do it. It takes time, but he'll do it. In the book of Colossians, Paul says that he'd been rescued from the dominion of darkness. Watch that. The dominion of darkness. No. We and I have an inheritance. You and I, those of us who are believers in Christ Jesus, we have an inheritance that includes being in the kingdom of light. We shouldn't be striving to stay in darkness when our inheritance is in the light. And so we need to bring our issues to the light. 
so they can be dealt with. And then last but not least, we need to trust God's process. Not our process, because my process means I want it done and over. But God's process is one that carries me through some things that might not feel good in the process of getting it over. It can be difficult to let it go. It can be difficult to do better. But God's process will get me there. The process of coming to the light is not as simple as a hop, skip, and a jump from one place to another. If I'm going to get rid of the baggage that I've got in my life, then I have to trust the process that God takes me through to get there. First Thessalonians 4 and 3 says, it is God's will that I be sanctified. And if it's God's will that I be sanctified, then that's a lifelong process, not a one-day one day event. And so the question I'm asking you today is, do you trust him? Do you trust the Lord? that he's got a plan and a purpose for your life? Do you trust him that he's going to work everything for your good? Or do you just sing those songs all the time? Do you know that only the enemy means evil for you? God may allow you to go through something, but he never means evil for you. He'll even use the evil that you go through for your good. If the answer is yes, then I trust him. I trust his process then today is the day for you to get moving. Today is the day. Today is as good a day as any day for you to say goodbye to the anger and the bitterness you have in your life. It's a good day for you to start letting it go. There are people in your life who can walk away from you, who are not your friends, who are not for you. Hear me now when I tell you this. When people are not your friend, when people don't help you, when people don't support you and they can walk away from you, let them go. Let them go. Don't beg them back. Don't try to keep them in your life when they're not doing right by you. When people are not caring, not calling, not coming, not staying to, with you, then hang up the phone. Let them go. Don't continue to allow people to treat you less than you deserve to be treated. Your destiny is not tied to anybody that left. Your future is not tied to anybody that walked out on you. The Bible says this in 1 John, they came out from us that it might be manifest that they were not for us. For had they been of us, no doubt they would have continued with us. People leave you because they're not joined to you. They're not connected to you. You can't make them stay. Doesn't mean they're a bad person. It just means that their part in your story is over. You got to know that when people's part in your story is over, stop trying to write them into a new chapter because all you're doing is messing up what the Lord has for you going forward. You got to know when to let them go. In fact, there may be another fruit of the spirit you need to cultivate. It's called the, the spirit of goodbye. You need to learn how to tell folks goodbye when they no longer need to be in your life. I know that whatever God has for you, he'll give it to me. So stop begging folks to stay with you. If you're holding on to something that doesn't belong to you, guess what? It, it was never intended for you. Then you need to let it go. If you're holding on to past hurts and past pain, let them go. If you got somebody who won't treat you right, can't treat you right, won't love you back, won't see your work, let them 
Go. If somebody's angered you and is not concerned about how it bothers you, let them go. If you're holding on to some thoughts of evil and revenge, let it go. If you're involved in a wrong relationship, or you got addiction in your life, today's the day you need to start. Let it go. If you're holding on, a, on to a job, and that job no longer meets your needs or your worth, then you need to let it go. You got a bad attitude, let it go. You keep judging other folk to make yourself feel better. Today's the day you need to start letting it go. If you're stuck in the past, God's trying to take you to another level in Him, you gotta let yesterday go. You keep trying to help somebody who won't even try to help themselves. Guess what? Start today, let them go. If there's a particular situation in your life that you're used to handling by yourself, and God is trying to say, take your hands off the wheel. I came to tell you today, my brother, let it go. Let the past be the past. Let the former things go. God is trying to do a new thing for you. The words of Jesus in John chapter 10, this is what he tells his disciples. He says, only the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I have come that they might have life and not only have life, but have it more abundantly. The enemy is trying to tear you down, trying to destroy you. One of the ways he can accomplish this is by weighing you down with baggage, by making you think that yesterday is more important than tomorrow, by making you think that the best God had for you, he's already done. And I came to tell you that is a lie from the pit of hell. What God has for you, no man has seen, no man knows. The best is yet to come. And so turn the page on all the mess of yesterday. Let go things that are holding you back. And Jesus came that we might experience abundant and full life. And so since we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses who've gone through the best that God has to give them, let us take the sin that so easily entangles us and let it go. And let us continue to run with perseverance the race that's been marked out for us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. God bless you. I love you today. I'm excited about what God is going to do. I can't wait to see you new in Christ. I can't wait to see you wrapped up in success. I can't wait to see you doing your best with what God is going to give you. Let it go if it's holding you back. I'm excited to see what 2021 is going to behold, but no more important than I am about seeing what God's gonna do for you today and tomorrow. I love you, God bless you. If you've never accepted him, today is the day. Now's the time for you to let go of fear in your relationship with him. Grab his salvation gift and make him the Lord of your life.